0: You're listening to The Damn Good Podcast with Edward Court, the go-to resource to help you navigate the murky waters of the new music business. Welcome to the podcast, part two. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's
1: good to be back. <laughs> <laughs> um, you kind of, you can take the first one as as a free lesson, free private coaching lesson. Exactly. Kinda. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for everyone listening, um, Ryan and I we recorded a podcast last Friday, as far as I remember, and it was a nice one and a half hour podcast. And man, I, I dropped so many knowledge bombs. It's not even funny. But it turned out (laughs) that Ryan recorded his part of the vocal, which I mix then on my own, because the quality of of Google Hangouts or Skype is pretty bad. So I usually let or ask the guest to record his own vocal and then I mix it. And he just put his own on loop in Ableton Live and recorded only 20 (laughs) minutes uh, or like a 20 minute segment. So it kind of sucked, but I mean, that's a learning experience as well, whatever. It was still fun. Just, I mean, on on the other hand, we just hung out and talked like two buddies and it was cool. So this is number two. And Ryan, um, for everyone this time who doesn't know you, please
0: introduce yourself. Okay, cool. Yeah, so my name is Ryan Neal. Uh, I'm from Detroit, Michigan, uh, right outside Detroit. Um, I'm a singer, songwriter, uh, music producer, and I'm just coming out with my debut EP called Up My Sleeve, uh, which was mixed and mastered um, by Edward over the past couple months. We've been collaborating together. Make it funky like um, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much it.
1: Sweet. Thanks a lot. As a new artist, you want to bring out your stuff as, as fast as possible. You know, when you approached me, you wanted to have your EP done in like two weeks and like, you wanted to release it. Like I want to release it like in two weeks and this is the deadline and please make it happen. And we didn't like, I, it took me way longer than, than we planned. It took me like over a month overall to make six songs. But then again, um, we talk about how. You want to rush it. You always you you want to to put it out, but without a proper strategy, without like any foundation, it will just be somewhere on SoundCloud or Spotify, and like two hundred people will listen to it, and then it just disappears in obscurity. If you don't spend the time to prepare it, so I always advise clients or artists in general, not my clients, just not to rush it with anything. Just to to give allow as much time as really needed, not not too much time but not like rush it as well, Um, how do you feel about it right now? Because your EP is going to be released on Monday, which is two months
0: later than originally planned. Yeah, exactly. So I think um, just growing and becoming more mature, aging, whatever you want to call it, um, I've, I've learned to become a little bit more patient because as an individual, I'm super impatient with most things in life and I want everything right now and and I think it's just a testament to growing up in the the digital age and having everything at your fingertips at all times. Um, but at the same time, I'm I'm glad that you spent the time that you did to really um, put some care into it, and it and it definitely shows. I mean, the the quality is top notch, and I think um, everyone that hears it will will definitely appreciate that. I would advise
1: everyone <laughs> to not to rush things, um, but at the same time, I know people like my friends. Fabian, I know you're listening. Um, he was producing a song for two years, like two motherfucking years, one <laughs> song. And again, it sounds amazing. It's a really good song. And this dude is crazy about sound design. Like one of the most creative sound designers I ever listened to, I um, ever witnessed. And funny thing is like, people always complain about how they can produce on like, like I don't have the right equipment, this dude. He produces amazing, mind-blowing tracks. The mixing is on point with 60 euros Logitech uh, boxes, like <laughs> monitors, $60. And it's amazing. Like I mix it, I put it in, in, in Ableton, the stems. Mm-hmm. I have two different systems. I have Sonarworks, room correction software, everything. I'll listen to it and, and it, it sounds actually good, like way better than some people with 10 thousands of dollars of equipment. Yeah, um, But at the same time, I know it's it's kind of difficult because a lot of people struggle with it mentally. Like they have mental blocks, like on a psychological level. Um, it's all, it's all like everything is mental game. It's not as easy. You know, remember how 10 years ago we were just made beats and you could just put them up on Facebook, MySpace, whatever, you just didn't care. You just, hey dude, like, hey guys, this is what I made today, listen to it. And you didn't judge yourself. It's just, y- you got like three thumbs up and you were already happy. And I remember myself doing I like I had so many demos on on SoundCloud, like hundreds of demos, and people were listening and enjoying it. Like you made it, wow! But then with time, as you grow, and you you put more pressure on yourself, more like expectations, and then your creativity and your self confidence kind of vanishes, and you have to relearn it on a high higher level. You know, kind of in this professional environment where you have like standards and whatever, like p- people's expectations, your own expectation. Um, and it's an art form to keep it sustained, like this childish novelty that you have, like not to let it vanish as you grow up and like put yourself into this, not only music business, but in this whole environment where it's like, I I want to be successful, I want to make money and stuff like that because all of that cripples yourself kind of creatively and you just become a robot and then you barely like allow yourself to,
0: to express yourself creatively. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and that happened with me. Um, that's why, you know, I think naturally I I tend to procrastinate things. And even when I was in school, just writing papers, it would always be the night before. And I would pull an all nighter, um, stay up, you know, crush it, do really well on the paper, but that was always just my style. And I think finally getting this EP out there um I realized I, I set a hard date for myself because I had I actually scheduled a pre-release kind of listening party for family and friends. Um this was before you even mixed it. And I just I had my rough mixes, but I wanted to have a little fundraiser um and, and party really. And uh, <laughs> so I, I, I set a hard deadline and I was like, Well, I there's there's no choices. It has to be done by this date. And and I think that really helped, man. You when you set when you set a hard deadline and you give yourself a little time constraints or constraints creatively, um, I think that really helps and pushes you to to maximize your potential in a in a short time frame. Oh yeah. Long term, I would say don't put
1: so much pressure on yourself. Short term, you can do that. Um like sometimes <sighs> one of my friends said, like, I'm translating Right now from Russian into English. So that's that's kinda hard. But he said, um however long you say to yourself a, a task is gonna take, that's how long it's actually gonna take. You know, if you say exactly like yeah. you need a you need a week for a track, you will need a week. If you say like you, you need a day, that that's how long it takes until it's finished. Yeah. I mean, and you can argue like the the, the finesse in the end, the actual quality by percentage, but overall I say And also what I notice is when mixing, of course you need time and and however it takes. But sometimes like the initial, sometimes I had, I had when I mixed something and I had this initial spark, AKA vibe, and you just mix it, it flows and it sounds, it has soul. But then the client comes back and 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 will tell you, Hey, how about you fix this, 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 and this, and you just sit down and you kind of rehash everything until it sounds technically perfect, but it loses the initial spark. And in the end, it, it sounds technically better. It's louder, cleaner, whatever, but it hasn't, has no vibe. And I, as an engineer need to have this, I, I need to have this self-confidence that I, that I come to the client and say, Hey, I'm the professional here. And I think I will fix just the minor necessities, but overall, I will not change it any more than this, because I think. This is fire and it should be this way. Even if it's not, um, technically perfect, like you would imagine, because it's always a compromise. But if he comes to me for my expertise, I think, you know, you're not just a tool. I, I have a lot of friends who reach out to me and say like, Hey, I like this client is driving me mad. He's like saying, do this, do that, fix this. I'm like, you are positioning yourself from the beginning as a tool that People just use, you know, like remote like team viewer for mixing. Right. And and it's it's the wrong way. They approach you for your taste, for your expertise, for your style. And that's what you should showcase and, and put in front of everyone. You're not a tool that people use. Like, you know, some people you go on their website and have just everything. They do mixing, mastering, re um, production, everything. And then and then it's just, okay, this is like, like a tool, like a list. You choose the services that you need and like you send it out. And then it's like a service. If you count on my website, I only have production, mixing and mastering, but it's super niche and it's super targeted and it's, I don't do everything. I don't mix any rock, like hard stuff. I don't do any country. I focus on my niche and because I'm good at it. And this is my expertise and coming back to the original, um, idea. I forgot it, <laughs>
0: yeah, I think you were just saying, kind of um when you have an initial idea to begin with and then you kind of second guess yourself and and want to keep adding more exactly, exactly as an artist
1: as well, um that initial idea that you have this spark is ninety percent
0: of the time the the one that you that you should keep exactly, yeah, and and I can. I'm a testament to that myself. I mean the last song that i that I made for the e p was up my sleeve, and that was thirty six hours before that party i mean i had I had nothing for that song and, and and I enjoyed the song a lot yeah thank you and and you know the other th- one of the song the, another song off the e p it started two years earlier. I kind of put it away for about a year and a half and and it just it came together in different ways, but I definitely think the most concise and um Clear vision I had was that last song, just because it was so, it, you know, came together so quickly, and it was once again that forced creativity that I I only had a day and a half to do it, and there was really nothing going to stop me from finishing it at that point.
1: Yeah, what's your process like for producing?
0: Um, so usually I'll I'll start just either on guitar or piano, just figuring out some chords, um, and then once I get to the actual production standpoint I will usually start with the drums because they take the longest because I'm not a drummer Um, so I'll usually get two or three at least uh, different sections for drums you know verse chorus whatnot and then I'll put the drums on loop add a bass line um, add some chords on top add guitar you know just just start layering from there So vocals come less for you as a vocalist yeah yeah, it, it seems you know as of now, yes. Um, I, I kind of like to to live with the song for a little bit and figure out what the what the message could be based on the chords. You know, the music drives everything for me. Yeah, um, I'm not I'm not one to sit down and, you know, with a, a pen and paper or even on Microsoft Word and and write out a story and then put music to that. I'm the other way around. Right. Well, you
1: got a lot of vocalists that seem to like have this traditional approach where they just hum. You know, like guitar and humming or like guitar and freestyle top lining and then yeah. building building chords around. But th- the reason why I like your productions, because we think kind of similar, we think in harmony first. Mm-hmm. I, as a pianist, I like to sit down and work out my chords first, and like the inversions, the blocks, and then everything around. Like when I produce my my funk stuff, that's the first thing I do, um, sit down, work out the main chords, kind of the tempo, like 110, that's what I started with, and then plus minus. And mm-hmm. that's that's like my favorite um, way of working. And then I build the bass line, then the drums, and then everything else.
0: Nice. Yeah, yeah. I think we we definitely think similarly. Just like you mentioned, with being musicians first and not just you know bedroom producers who yeah. learned on Fruity but Loops or something I like know. that. But you I know.
1: Like my voice sounds like shit. <laughs> ah, I mean, it's just people <laughs> yeah, always like, "Dude, like you should sing. You play piano so well." I'm like, I tried. That's why I'm here behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> Only health kidding, but I can't yeah. sing from if my life depends on it. So
0: I want to see you play more, you know, like classical and jazz piano stuff. I think I'll that'd do be that. cool.
1: Yeah, I'll do that. I was like, I was thinking, like, why don't I put out more of like me doodling around the piano because I do play every day. Yeah, I have my routine. So, but I guess, I guess from just from. Every time I make a post on Instagram, I try to give as much value as possible. So recently what I did is even for the releases that I always just put on like the cover of, of the CD or like the release and just do the caption, like, hey, I just mix a master, like produce this thing for this artist. Even this time, what I did is I showed the behind the scenes how how I fixed a problem in the master with the harsh vocal. And then actually, Written below, like I mix, mix, I messed up the song. You know, even in yeah. this, I still because people don't want to see releases. People don't even care about it. Like from 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 a scrolling normal user standpoint, if people scroll like, okay, this is a cover with like audio in it. Cool. Okay, maybe my core like five hundred guys girls will like it. Not even, but if it's if it's something that gives people value on top. Um, that's more enticing for them to listen to to put their intention on it. So that's yeah, why I, I always try. That's why I think like me playing piano is kind of if I don't teach them how to do nice chords at the same time, this is not as effective. Sometimes you can do do it just just for fun, you know, like hey, I'm playing piano. This is it. Um, right. <laughs> but I always have this have this teacher mentality in me. You know, always giving value and like if people. Take the time out of the days to to watch my stuff. I want to give them even if it's a little tip.
0: In yeah, return, no doubt, for sure. It, it definitely shows, man. You you've uh, amassed quite the following of you know really starting from the grassroots, and all of your followers are legit. You know you can tell they're not one hundred percent bots or yeah all that all that trash. No, although like people people will say like you need to be ethical,
1: you need to be this, you need to be that. Over the last couple of months, I realized like business-wise, like I and you and people in general, they need to be a little more hustly, like a little bit more hardcore. It doesn't mean they need, they need to go out and buy followers and buy likes, but sometimes, you know, whatever it takes to, to amass a following, like ads, use ads, pay for, for traffic. You need leads, pay for those leads. Google AdWords, like don't, don't second guess, like tactics that people use on a daily without Having like a bad thought about like about themselves, you know, like people always think like, oh, if I pay for ads, like if I pay for Google AdWords, is it, is it legit? Like, no, of course it's legit. You know, if, just because you pay for it. So I think people, if you're sitting there and thinking about like, I need to use some hardcore Instagram methods to to gain a following, do whatever it takes. Don't sell your soul. Keep your like integrity intact keep your ethics on a table, <laughs> right. um, you know? Like you don't need to do any crazy shit, um, but don't be as soft either, Then, like, don't second guess. If you need to use a bot which follows and unfollows people, use it. I use it from time to time myself. I target super specific niches and people and it works a little bit because what Instagram does to us is crazy how the amount of of organic reach and whatever they reduced over the last couple years is not sustainable for small businesses um even i spend quite a lot of stuff like quite a lot of, of of money on ads um 100 euros 150 in a month just for instagram and it doesn't i don't have the roi that i expect from it at all um maybe i'm a bad advertiser that's of course a possibility but overall um, I feel like (sighs) do whatever it takes. So if it it means do that, don't be too ethical in that regard. Don't be too, because Instagram doesn't care. They, They will get their money either way. They will get their followers either way. They will get whatever, because Instagram is Facebook. The original guys who invented Instagram, they already left a long time ago. They cashed out with like 60,
0: Billion, yeah, yeah, some
1: million, billion something. So they're good, <laughs> they're good for life. So if you're like struggling and you're like having this doubts, so like should you do it, should you not, like go for it, just just do it, do whatever it takes, because this is business. Like if, if you think about like how, how people made business in the eighties and nineties, like unethical, they destroyed each other. Like you don't have to destroy your competitors um, because I don't mm-hmm. have any, legitimately I don't have any, like I don't have like any direct competitors but a lot of people do, and you don't need to go out and destroy them, but just pull yourself up a little bit and do whatever it takes. Be be smart about it, read up on blogs, use any any method that you have to pull yourself up because um, people might say like, okay, I, I don't have any competition, I'm out there. You still kind of need to put food on the table and like kind of move forward as an artist, as, as, a, as a freelancer, and SEO is super hard to do right now. Like. So um, search engine optimization and pulling yourself up on Google is almost impossible in our niche, except if you're like super targeted, super like niche based, and that's also worked over multiple months to a year. Um, Same goes for artists. So do whatever it takes to pull yourself out there, um, up and put yourself out there as well. And don't be too too good. Like don't be too too soft in that regard because you need to grow thick skin in business. And sometimes you need to do what you need to do. That's what I wanted to say originally.
0: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I, I think that's for, for myself as a, as a new artist trying to navigate the waters of this business, figuring out what's going to give you the biggest return on investment, where you should invest your, your money in terms of ads, things like that. Um, and yeah, just, I mean, the other day, I, I think you saw, I, I found a hip hop, online radio dude that was like hey give me 5 bucks to to you know we have a live stream every night and they pretty much do 99% hip hop i'm like you know whatever i'll send in my track it's not a hip hop song but we'll see what happens and it was a huge confidence booster because everyone loved it and that you know gave me some positive positive vibes for sure because i was feeling down uh, yeah, sent my stuff to a few other bloggers before that day, and they're like, "Ah, this isn't really what we're looking for." Yada yada. So, yeah, those, navigating those like peaks and valleys of emotion and yeah. you know, getting let down. That's and, exactly
1: what I mean. Because at the end of the day, you want to see a result. You know, you put so much work in it. Why the fuck not see a result at the end of the day? You know why? Yeah. So, if you if you follow through with it, follow through until the end, like with the head through the wall for sure. Um, mm-hmm. don't half assets, do it whatever do whatever it takes because it's a hard world out there, you know. And yeah. I will gladly admit that I use like paid advertisements. Um sometimes if I fall below ten thousand followers, I use a bot to follow a bunch of people who target in my niche. I follow people like that are like funk lovers like who love Daft Punk, Bruno Mars, just to get over the ten thousand mark, just So I can use the link feature in Instagram because that's super useful. And then I just turn it off. Because I don't want to get banned by Instagram sometimes. But I'll gladly admit that I use it. And some people will say like, oh, but it's like not super ethical. While everybody's doing it, you know? Like some people will say, you know, this is unethical. Well, everyone's doing it clearly. Everyone, like those million plus accounts, they buy themselves like, verifications, whatever, you know, you, you can buy this blue mark, it's it's $5,000, you can buy it. You know, if you know other people, you can pay $5,000, you can buy it for yourself. I don't know why you need it, but you can do it. You know, you can you can do anything, yeah. you have the right money and rich people and kids of rich parents, they do it. They let themselves buy it. And I mean, it's unfair. But sometimes you need to play a little bit unfair, at least to to propel yourself forwards. So some, because some people will come to me like, dude, how can I, I myself, I'm just one guy. How can I play in this game? Because everybody seems so mighty. Like you look around, like this guy has a million followers. This guy has a hundred thousand. Like how can I play in this industry if everyone's that strong? It's like a monopoly. And, and I'm like that small. And I understand them, you know? But at the same time, you need to define your goals. Um, as an artist, as, as, as a professional, as a freelancer, like whatever you want to do. Let's say you want to you be an artist who lives off of music full-time. How many followers do you need, truly? Like, Ryan, what would you think? Like How many followers do you need to, to live off of music full-time?
0: Oh, man. Um... I would say in maybe the major markets. I'm just talking about the U.S. here, um, because I, my my goal is to start touring. You know, eventually I'm going to be a, a live live performer as well as a producer. But you know, if I can get maybe 100 to 200 solid fans in each city um, that I would tour to, I, I think that would afford me at least a good jumping off point. I don't know how many that would be considered. You know, when you add them all yeah. together on is it, is it socials and though? things like that? Oh, I, I I definitely think it's doable. Um, uh, you know the the correct way to go about doing it that's that's the way I'm still trying to figure out at this point. But um, I wanted to start off local and from a grassroots standpoint and really branch out from there. Um, connect with my with my city and and hopefully um, branch out from from that standpoint. But yeah, I, I definitely think it's doable. People are doing it all the time. Um, just like you said, finding your niche and your particular way of getting out there and doing it, you know, in a precise manner that makes sense. You need to run a feasibility study, like
1: take a pen and paper, run the numbers. How many clients do you need a month to survive? What's your like monthly spend? Same for being an artist and then calculate. Let's say you have 10,000 followers and out of those 10,000 1,000 followers are like diehard fans. They would like do everything, buy your shit, vinyl, CD, come to your concerts, whatever. And then just 1,000, let's say they pay you $100 over a year, just 100, whatever it is, $30 for life, $50 for merch. merchandise, yeah, exactly, $20 yeah. For, for vinyl, let's say that way, and then that's already, one hundred thousand. Yeah, that's 000. a very good yeah, living. That's that's a good living for everyone, I would say. One hundred K. And as we said last time, you can live off seventy thousand, fifty thousand, thirty thousand even in Berlin easily alone. Yeah. Even with a family, um, I would say. So you only need one thousand diehard fans. And this is a this is nothing new. Like this idea was propositioned long time ago. Um, I don't know who originally came up with it, but it's true. Like you need those 1,000 diehard fans, um, and I think this is the future because you cannot you cannot gamble yourself. You cannot. You maybe can buy yourself in the charts or like being a superstar. I don't know. Um, but like long term, I would say this is the future for an indie artist um, by going with this kind of. I always say it's like a healthy middle class <laughs> of of being a musician. You know, it's not like poor, dirt poor. Well, always when I see people busking outside for money in the winter, it's kind of like, oh, dude, this is so backwards. I mean, sometimes if you need that money right now, like you need to buy some food, okay. But if people see it as a business model, like busking and playing in the winter, I mean, in the summer you can you can make quite a lot of money um, in crowded areas in Berlin, but seeing it as a business model, is like, what, what are you doing? This is so not nah, 2019
0: right yeah i mean it's it's definitely like what is the what is the potential that that has i mean there there's clearly been many musicians that have made it that way through busking and things like that but like you said i mean with the internet at our fingertips every second uh, we have so many different business models that didn't exist even 10 years ago um which gives like you said middle class middle of the road musicians an opportunity to to make a good living and not having to sell a million records like you had to in the 70s and 80s to be considered a you know, musician, yeah. quote-unquote.
1: Well, for for a producer, it was pretty easy in the 90s. Those R&B guys, one hit for R. Kelly, and you're done for life, if you don't fuck it up. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. not, not the thing right now, of course, but in the 90s, those guys, they made bang with just one hit. So it's a little bit different, but it's still doable. And... Also, having multiple streams of income is also very, very not dumb um, for an artist as well. And I know it's like, when you start out, it's like, wow, multiple streams of income. I don't even have one off of music. How am I supposed to have three, <laughs> like, three different income streams from music because I don't even have one. But over time, I guess it works. For a producer, it might be producing four people, mixing, mastering and then selling sample packs ebooks um teaching and you can spread yourself kind of like like a spider like like the web and kind of keep yourself stable that way not relying on single one single stream of income and that's also important for artists as well if you co-write for money uh top line for for other people because i have a lot of guys like My friends in Russia, whom I'm working with right now, two super talented dudes. Um, One is producing, kind of producing the beats and top lining singing. The other one is is a rapper and they still work their day jobs at a radio station. And the one I'm talking the most with is the singer. And he's like, I want to do it full time. And he only wants to do it like as an artist. He wants to tour and earn money that way by, by touring and making um, money off of touring. I'm like, dude, you, you write killer top lines. Your voice is actually pretty nice. Why don't you top line for other people and build, build yourself up, self up there? And he's like, yeah, I can do that. But it's like, I need to have a name. I need to be like number one. I need to have, I need to be someone. I'm like, you don't have to, and you not have to be like number one or like be known um, in Russia, like as the top liner, you know, you still can start out on right. your level and, and do it. It's not glamorous. It's not fun if you write um, like kind of low to middle-ish quality stuff, but it's still it's still money and you can use it as as training for yourself. And you can yeah. do that, it's still better than, and you could do it online um, worldwide. And if you can can cannot do it worldwide because your English is not on point, you can still do it like in Russia and all the, 40 other states surrounding russia who do speak russian you know and people need top lines i i guarantee and but it's not glamorous and you still have to to have this business um quirk on you to to succeed and kind of put yourself out there Um, so it's possible but a a lot of people are not willing to do it because they they want they want it handed to them
0: yeah, exactly. I, that, that's a huge... I mean, I can I can sort of relate to, to what he's kind of thinking because, you know, I want to be my own artist too. But at the same time, I would love to collaborate with other people and, and produce music for them uh, just to kind of cross-pollinate and and get into other genres as well. I mean, hip-hop, especially for me, um, it's not my main genre, but all of my unfinished tracks are, are very much so in the hip-hop realm. Um. So yeah, that that's something that I, I resonate with as well. Your your Russian friend, um, and his his kind of mindset. It's like, where where do you focus your time? Do you focus all of it on being an artist? And if you do that, then maybe you're falling behind in getting other gigs that can potentially keep you up and going, and not have to have that second job. You know, that nine to five yeah. to keep you know keep the bills paid. Well, he's
1: still working there, and he doesn't like it. That's that's a thing. So. He he could yeah. he could make the same money, if not more, top lining and then training and getting to know people as well. Because it's all yeah. networking communication. So I would rather do that than just although it's it for everyone it's individually, like maybe your job is super stable and you love it actually, then it's cool. Like if you if you're working twenty hours a week, twenty-five part-time and you actually enjoy whatever you do. And you like it and you have a good environment, it's kinda of keeping you stable, why the fuck not? This is this is good because if you like the people, but if you hate it, if people are getting on your nerves, it's the boss is nagging and like customers are bitches, kinda, of, you know, like then yeah, yeah. leave and, and do it. And that's the thing. If you enjoy it, by any means do it. If you if you hate it and you wish finally to go like full time and just do music, then start slowly. And who who says you deserve like having top-notch clients right away. Nobody. Like, like right, yeah. you're coming into the business like, hey, Bruno Mars, let me work with you right now. I'm a nobody <laughs> fan. You know? That that's what I mean. Yeah. He wants to to have this fame first and then like this fame allowing him to work with with top-notch people.
0: Yeah. I mean it's it's almost disrespectful and like inconsiderate of other people who have already made it and you're gonna be like, hey, you know. This is my first. This is my first EP, first album, whatever. Like, you need to jump on my shit and let's work together. It's like, no, dude. I've I've been doing this for ten, fifteen, twenty years. Like, you're not just gonna slide in and be like my guy. Yeah. And know? not to say that it's not possible. <laughs> I, I, I invest my
1: time, and and talent and and effort in those guys because not only because they pay me, it's just because I see them being there in like two, three, five years. But it's not as mm-hmm. instant because. Russia is very special in that regard because the industry is exploding right now because they used to have a monopoly on this whole entertainment business where like those older Russian guys who, like my moms and like my, my grandma are were listening to, still listening to, they had kind of the, the monopoly on the entire uh, entertainment business, kind of like mafia, you know? And but right now yeah. they're getting old, they're dying. And there's like the whole wave of new artists, new fresh blood coming into the stream. And they kind of break shit with, with the internet at the same time. A lot of bloggers, people not watching TV. And there's like a huge explosion of of music right now, like hip hop, trap, drum bass, all the stuff that was in a couple of years ago in, in Europe and the US is getting flooded with like Russia is getting flooded with it right now. And there's a lot of money, a lot of opportunities. People are jumping on on like branding um, trains, like um, big corporations are supporting younger artists are willing to spend money. So everyone's kind of trying to go hype overnight. And a lot of people, not a lot, but quite a bit of artists succeed at it because there's such a huge demand that some artists go from zero to Number one in like a week or like two weeks in a the month, they just go trending with one song. And a lot of people who come in into this business right now, they want to kind of replicate the same um, success by going number one in like one or two weeks, um, which is not realistic. I mean, if you have if you know the people and you got the money behind yourself, and the song is kind of good, you can do it. But it's very, very difficult and it's not 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 scalable. You can just not program your, your way to success like like how you expect it.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna ask you, you know, what, what are your thoughts on the, the feasibility of that? I mean, you just said it's basically money and the connections, just like anything. I mean
1: It's not feasible if you're indie and you see other people do but you don't know what was behind their success. Most of the time, right. most of the time, from my experience, when I see those people go from zero to superstar overnight, it's either like a really, really good or catchy song, not good in a sense of songwriting, but just, you know, like Gangnam style, things like that. There's this yeah. guy called um, like, with a Skibby D song. It's everywhere. It's a Russian guy and it's like super catchy song. They have like hundreds of millions of streams right now on YouTube with this funny dance and a funny video, but this is like more an excep- exception to the rule. Um, so if it's, it's either like something like Gangnam Style, where it's like super catchy and it, it's kind of engineered virally, but at the same time, there's also money behind it marketing wise, or it's just a shit song, but you're like super established and you got someone who's paying a lot of dough to just get you into all of those channels, radio, TV, internet trending. you can buy yourself to YouTube trending spots, it's not as hard, you know, uh, but you got to have the money as well. So most of the time it's either super virally engineered or people putting money behind it. So there's rarely like actually good music, although it happens, but rarely actually good music um, going number one. So it's not feasible at all. You cannot engineer it if you don't have the resources. Um, so if you're like super indie, you can DIY bootstrapping yourself, expect at le- to, to put in at least men two to three years of hustle to yield some ROI and not like cry after, um I don't know, healthy year that doesn't work. Um, not that they did, it's just right. potentially.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, I, and just that whole story you just told, I, I've, I witnessed it all the time when I was living in Nashville and I would see, you know, say a girl... And she was singing on stage in a small bar, not too many people there. And then her friends would say, you know, yeah, she she just opened for this major artist and she sang the national anthem in front of 20,000 people. I'm like, how, how is she doing that? She's not even, none of these people are even listening to her here. It's like, oh, well, her parents, you know, like they they got a, they got a private jet.
1: Oh, right. like, Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: so this is <laughs> that's how it's working. <laughs> that's what yeah. that's what I need, man. I need no Russia,
1: you know, like oligarchs and people with a lot of money. It's true. Like there's a lot of those. Still those people who who made millions in the nineties and are still kinda keeping it under under the sheets, all of the money. They have they have kids. They have like their daughters and sons. They want to be stars. So most of the time it's it's them putting a lot of money behind those.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a scary thought to get into. I mean, wanting to be a like wanting your kid to be a star.
1: No, it's I the kids like they themselves. This, they're like you
0: being on on Instagram.
1: Like, I want to be insta famous. Hey, dad, how about uh, I'll be? And I mean, it is what it is. In Germany, I just listened to German Top 50 yesterday, and on spot eight or nine, we got this. I forget her name, but she's basically just a beauty blogger, just a beauty blogger. She's not a singer. She's a beauty blogger, and this track like super cheesy trap, dark, like The weekend style tra- trap with super auto-tuned vocals, like horribly, horribly auto-tuned. <laughs> and she she, she doesn't sing. You know how Cassie used to sing Me and You? She doesn't sing, she kind of whispered it half. And this was like yeah, 10 yeah, yeah. times worse. <laughs> By the way, I love Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> because Ryan Leslie produced her. Yeah. But this is like the same, but she o- almost whispered it with 100% auto-tune, like on 100% auto-tuned, and it was horrible, but it was spot eight on top 50 um, charts in Spotify, Germany. So the yeah. fan base is there. You can just sell whatever. Bring, bring out a shoe collection, people will buy it. You bring out a song, well, <laughs> you go number eight, maybe even number one, didn't witness it, but it's just, you got a fan base, and that's an option too. If you already got a pre-existing fan base, kind of like Ariana Grande, um, she's super talented. Not saying she's not, but she goes number one with every song just because she has this huge, huge following already. And not every song is good. Like some, this last song she she released is kind of meh. I listen to it; it's kind of trap, whatever. And she she raps on it as well. It's kind of good, but it's kind of it's not number one worthy in my in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, man. It's so you were saying before that you don't really listen to. German music, like right. German pop anymore, right? Yeah. Is that correct? And it's horrible, actually. That, that's, that's the reason. <laughs>
1: the German music industry is dead for for me. Like, it lives, if you look at the top 50, the first 10 will be some guys rapping, like gangster rap, which is funny, you know, like gangster rap, like, like please. <laughs> yes. Like those, those guys who, who always rap, like <laughs> I'll fuck your mother and like, Strunk you know, <laughs> like ghetto and shit like that, posing yeah. in front of cars. It's kinda it's kind of goofy. Because every, everyone's like, yeah, Berlin. Berlin is like gangster, Berlin is, is is hardcore. And like Berlin? This is not fucking you're living in Detroit, you know? <laughs> you know what ghetto is <laughs> in yeah, sense. Yeah. and it's like right? Berlin. Since when I mean, we got a lot of Arab guys, Turkish guys, but it's not a ghetto, you know? Just because some 13, 15 year old Arab guy cannot behave himself just because nobody taught him to, it's not a ghetto, you know?
0: Yeah, that's very well put. Yeah. That's <laughs>
1: ghetto is, is different. Like, that's funny. It's Berlin. Berlin is is a pretty poor town, kind of, compared to more of the Western cities, but it's not a ghetto. It's just a lot of people who don't know how to behave themselves and just playing crazy with all the hormones they have. And then the purity, you know? Other, yeah, <laughs> It's not a ghetto. But yeah, then it's yeah. like the first 10, 10 spots will be a, a gangster rap song. And then you got some, well, German has a lot of electronic music, kind of like minimal, dancey, like Robin Schultz, those guys, they kind of seem to chart. And then we do have some artists who, who do make, like Germany is not 100% dead. We, we still have some artists who make quality music, but it's, man you don't see them a lot if you don't follow them strictly online it's kind of although it was better like even ten years ago I remember we had some good music going on, but right now it's this huge wave of kind of like in America as well like a lot of look at the top ten to twenty it's either reggaeton like Mexican guys or like Takashi six nine
0: just yeah just super hardcore trap and and it's the the difference between Each song in the in the top ten, I feel like it's it's so slim. It's getting, I feel like more slim as as the time progresses. I mean, every new week there's another top top song, and like you said, the top ten, it's just all the beats are very similar. Um, you know, not too much change going on there. So when you see an artist like, you know, Bruno Mars or or a Charlie Puth who makes very solid pop music, it's a it's a breath of fresh air because they're actually using legit chords and they know harmony and structure and not just, yeah. you know. And not to take it. away from people <laughs> who enjoy it. Like, I sometimes enjoy <clears throat> hip-hop myself
1: as well. Um, but it's super oh, rare yeah. I, that it actually enjoy. If it's well produced yeah. and it's like at least a little bit um, as a standard somewhere, you know. Because man, like, take this guy Takashi 69 Nine what's the appeal it's not music obviously it's not the music it's it's
0: it's the lifestyle yeah,
1: exactly it's the hype it's the online beefing it's it's the drama that's surrounding those guys and that's why they're charting as well
0: it's not the music yeah definitely i mean i don't know man yeah i i, I like to to stay positive but at the same time it's like you know those artists are selling out everywhere they go and in and, and huge places. So if that's what the youth is into, I mean, maybe it's just a phase. Everyone has their phases when they're growing up and listening to a bunch of different genres. Oh, yeah. But
1: but dude, re- remember how even five years ago, all of the top 10s were flooded with, with Avicii style shit? Oh yeah. So, you know, it, it changes, yeah. you know, like even six, seven years ago, Skrillex, Calvin Harris with his old yep. stuff and like all this progressive house or like big room, Jesus Christ, the big room crisis of two thousand eleven, <laughs> twelve, whatever. That was horrible, and every every single track in the top ten was was the pride of snare, the kick, and like, you know, like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Martin Garrix. So that changed as yeah, well. Yeah. So I, it's just whatever it is. I mean, it is what it is right now, and it's changing. It will have this this two year sine wave where it goes up and then it just dips and then something else comes. And all of those Southern American, like those Despacito the guys, they, they'll, they sell out as well. They're pretty successful. And that music is a niche as well. But in a couple of years, we will have something else there. And the question is, do you need to be there? Or like, do you, do you need to be, do you need to have a certain style of music be number one for you to enjoy music in general? That's how I feel a lot of people um, approach this because like, oh, my favorite, what I listen to is not place one on billboards. And I would love to be there or I cannot enjoy music at all. I'm like, why? Like there's enough music and listeners for everyone. And do you really need to be, do you really need to have your, like your little niche style or not as popular style popular, you know, but once it's, it goes popular, it goes mainstream. You don't like it as much anymore because everyone's listening to it.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I've never thought that way. I mean, I I listen to music that I like just because I like it. I mean, regardless of what what's charting, I, I don't even I don't even go on the Spotify like top one hundred or top fifty. It just none of that really matters to me, um, especially in in today's day and age where like we we mentioned a little bit prior in our conversation. I mean, you find your niche and you run with it. And, you know, you can have fans in every city, but you ask 100 people on the street and 99 don't know who that artist is, which is totally cool. And, and you can still be very successful doing that. I mean, I love that. I love introducing people to, you know, artists who I think are, are pretty big, but... You know, they'll never be on the radio. They'll never be heard by the masses. But yeah, and it doesn't that's a good thing because they they're... this
1: mu- music
0: on exactly demand yeah. Thing, you, you just open up Spotify and
1: just listen to whatever you want, not what MTV gives you, and you don't have an option to to listen to anything else just because it is what it is, and you don't have anything else right now. You can listen to whatever you like, and you will always find some people who who love your style as well. Like it's, it's you're not alone because some so, someone's making this music, so. At least two of you—the the guy who's making it, and, <laughs> right. and you listening to it—so that's the start. Yeah. and you don't ha- you don't need your niche style to be popular, you know, because people will come to me and say, "Why do you produce like funk stuff? This is so seventies and eighties. You will not be successful with it." And like, first of all, listen to the music around you. Like, how many influences you you hear from that era? It will always be that way. And second, oh yeah, I don't I don't need my music especially to be on place 1 in the billboard charts. Um
0: yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's always that feeling you get when you're listening to an artist for a while and maybe a few years later they pop off and you're like, "Damn, like that was my that was my diamond in the rough." And now now they're out there and uh but yeah, and, and I also think, I mean, did you grow up watching um you know, MTV and stuff like that when you were a kid and like T- TRL countdown and all yeah. that? <laughs> 100% <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So the cool thing, I I mean, I think it's way better now, like you said, that we have the option to just listen to anything on demand. But at the same time, um, I think it was cool that music from, you know, say, any any time in the 20th century, from the 40s to, to now, you know, um, there was a certain relationship that people had to these songs because that was their only way of hearing it. You know, they would hear it on the radio. And I think people at a party would, they would all know the lyrics to the same songs and stuff. And it was kind of a communal aspect. And so now you go to a party and if there's 50 people there, I mean, they're listening to hundreds of different genres potentially. And and no one can really connect over the same music, I feel like, as they used to, Um, which is, you know, I I don't know if it's good, bad or indifferent, but um, I think that's something that, that I would miss in, you know, growing up in the 60s or 70s where, you know, a song came out and everyone had similar record collections um, potentially and, and they all could, you know, vibe with the same music. Where now it's just so spread out and everyone's listened to everything, you know, different track every day is, is popular, so. Yeah. Once, once technology became that
1: good that everyone with a laptop could produce music. There's a lot of sh- shit at the same time, like legit BS floating around, like BS music. There's too much. Um, and it's good and it's bad at the same time. Like you cannot say it's definitely good or definitely bad. I miss this kind of nostalgia of of the 90s and the 80s and 70s, um, where I listen to it's like, ah, oh, that's my childhood. And I, I ask myself, yeah, like, yeah. If people in 10 years who were born, like 2000, 2001, if they will listen to like Justin Bieber's song and, and still feel those warm Felix we do
0: when we listen to 90s, 80s stuff. Yeah, I think they will. I mean, I, I don't think, like the huge songs, I think everyone still hears. Um, so I, I don't think that'll change. But, you know, I, I think as anyone gets older, they, they grow a little yeah. salty I, towards but the would But I would love, uh, I would love to, to say that it's not the same when
1: you listen to like September, Earth, Wind & Fire. And it's a whole different <laughs> right. feeling. And every time I listen to the song, this, this is like magic. That's a whole different feeling. Um, and I would I would yeah. love to say that it's not true, that if people listen to Just Femur, it's like, it's kind of cool, it's kind of my, it's my childhood, it's my, my lovey-dovey years, but it's not that feeling,
0: but I, it's just me being egotistical here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, who knows, man. But yeah, September, shit. That's that's a, my that's team. jam. It's one of the best concerts I've ever been to is Earth, Wind & Fire.
1: I missed them uh, last year. they in Berlin. Sure.
0: I missed them by two days. I feel like they'll be touring for a while. I mean, there's so many guys in the group now. Um, and they, they, were, they were doing this double tour with Chicago. So it was like Earth, Wind & Fire played first, and then Chicago played a full set. And then they played like a massive, I want to say eight to 10 song encore where both bands came on stage. So there's like 30 guys and they were all playing, you know, they all played their hits at that time. So September was played by Earth, Wind & Fire nice. and Chicago. It was just, it was wild. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Man, I'd love to see that. After around next year, I'll be there. Um, so what's on the table for you over the next couple of days, weeks? So my goal with, um, I took off today. So Friday, Saturday and Sunday, I'm just emailing hardcore, trying to get like, 90 to 100 emails out and i really have a, a template going but at the same time you know i, I definitely personalize each one
1: yeah which um, you should
0: but yeah i i've i mean i've been rolling with these emails man and it's and i've been getting pretty good feedback so you know hopefully hopefully yeah that'll uh did she
1: use did she use submit hub how was how was the experience with that because there's like two different Ways of thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. So people either hate it or or love it.
0: And I'm kind of indifferent. I mean, I did, I think I paid 10 bucks and I got five reviews. So they, for those of you who don't know, there's different tiers. There's like one point, two points, or three points based on how big the blogger is or what have you. So, you know, I went through, picked out a few that made the most sense for me. Um, Out of five, two of the five liked the track. One of them was like, this doesn't work with our. Curated list or what have you, and then two or the others are like, yeah, you know it's not my style, so forty percent, <laughs> two out of five um, I- I'm kind of like, I don't know if I want to do it again um, been finding other other routes I was gonna ask you about another one It's called drop track have you Have you heard of that? Nope, that's new. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is pretty new. And basically what it is, is you pay anywhere from $20 a month, $50 a month or 150. And, you know, it's different, different tiers, different levels. And it basically guarantees you, you get like 5,000 contacts for 50 bucks a month. And you can, instead of having to email and personalize a message to say bloggers or curators, they basically just upload your music to this service and you're guaranteed like hundreds of responses back based on the track, and the people that are listening supposedly are are all industry people, whether they're producers, ANR, um, labels, managers, things like that. So it, it, I don't know how legit it is. I mean, it's it's definitely a, a site that's got pretty good reviews going so far, and everything I've looked into it seems pretty good. But um, I haven't tried it yet, so that might be the next the next step. Just do it for a month and see how it goes. Mm, I'm skeptical because it sounds too good to be true. Almost.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You no, know, like yeah, exactly. Guaranteed it's like, you hundreds know. of responses for like 100 bucks, even. Yeah. 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 I wonder if they're like pre canned, you know, like nope, 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 yes, yes, no. Right, right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or really who they're, you know, what their title is, what their job is. Some, some while ago, there was a guy on Twitter
1: who used SubmitHub and sent in a track or well, a couple of tracks by San Holo. And this is a guy who's already established playing big festivals, getting released on huge labels, like solid tracks. And he sent it in and like oh. he got destroyed. Like he got destroyed. Like all the guys said, like, <laughs> mixing is bad. The vocals like not in tune, shitty production. Yeah. And like this guy, you know, like send in a song by Taylor Swift and she wasn't not known, you know, and then like right, getting right. destroyed. <laughs> like who the fuck are those guys reviewing? Like what are those, who are those critics?
0: Like let me, let me, please let me know. Yeah. And that's like the same thing with everything. I mean, if you look at the the footnotes on who wrote an article, a lot of times they're just like kids out of high school that, I mean, yeah, they're reviewing music, but is their taste? Yeah. What's the credentials? (laughs) I mean, yeah. So that's the thing, man. It would be nice to kind of break the monotony of having to reach out to bloggers to eventually get placed, to eventually get to the right people five steps down the road. You know, it would be nice to get that middleman out of the equation, but yeah,
1: you know, there's yeah. an anecdote going around that people who d- who didn't make it in music properly, they work at Ableton Tech Support. <laughs> 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 that's funny. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh man,
0: <laughs> I've never heard that, but that's, yeah, that's, that's like hilarious. a running
1: gag on on Facebook. <laughs> but coming back to to the promotion thing, I I think it will get figured out over time because. It's evolving very, very fast, and a lot of startups, a lot of entrepreneurs are filling in the gaps for whatever's missing in the industry. Um, So there might be something that pops up in the next couple of months to years that will fill in the gap that will allow, and Spotify is doing it themselves this way. So they're like opening gates more and more slowly because they feel like they want to have their monopoly on on the music business and they feel like Apple Music and SoundCloud, well, not so much SoundCloud, they suck. (laughs) But like Apple Music title and all of those guys kind of wanting a piece of the cake at the same time. So they're opening up the gates and working more and more directly with the customer and with the, well, the customer is actually the listener. That's the customer. And- Mm -hmm. But, with the artists as well, so it's kind of both, yeah, yeah so the, for yeah. sure, so I feel like they will they will do that they f- they'll figure it out, although at the same time, you still get the labels who some people will say they they're not as mighty as in the nineties and two thousands, but they still have a lot of a lot to say up to this day,
0: oh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think. I mean I, I'm sure their their power has gone away somewhat because you can, you know, produce everything in your house now and you don't really need them as much as like you said they used to but no one's going to get you a billboard in Times Square if you're not yeah <laughs> if you're not funded by that big money so you know there's always that Exactly. It's cool. Man, I'm I'm
1: really looking forward to to whatever comes out for you and I'm always glad to support your your music, your EP and I'm I'm pretty sure the next thing you you bust out after the EP is going to be even more epic. Um, not to say that the EP sucks. It's amazing. It's actually really good.
0: <laughs> 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 I make some mess of this. It, it only can yeah, be good.
1: Um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Got the stamp from Edward. Exactly. Stamp of approval. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's how it is. I have a couple more questions left that you do, do know. We asked those last time. I hope you're kind of more prepared this time to answer because it's kind of, it's, it's those <laughs> questions that I say, that I ask, I ask those at the end of every podcast. Those are like more or less surprise questions. So um, the first question yeah. being, what's one thing you bought over the last couple of months to help a year that's not more expensive than
0: 150 bucks, let's say, that help your workflow the most? Ooh, less than 150. Uh, that's going to, that throws a monkey wrench into it. I would say, hmm I would say the the acoustic treatment that I did to my room um would be less than one fifty and and if I were to buy that, it would probably be like a thousand dollars but um yeah I, I just got some some paneling from my room and 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 put it up and it's it's a huge difference in terms of uh being able to hear things clearly and you know just the general <laughs> general audio production. Value has gone up because you know it turned a bedroom into a pretty legit listening room now, and uh, you know that wasn't too expensive. Right. I was gonna say that I was gonna say the Apollo Twin, but when yeah, you dropped the one hundred and fifty, I, I, it's I just wanted close. to avoid the
1: <laughs> less time, less time to answer. So overall, yeah, it would yeah, be yeah. the Apollo Twin.
0: Yeah, yeah. Overall, yes. Um, I was using a budget interface before, which I thought was decent, and uh, I was getting by with it. But it, it's just a, it's a huge step up me and i know there's uh, there's so many better ones out there but at that you know middle of the road price point um UAD's top notch so i I just i had to go for it which one do you have the the duo or like the quad uh the duo is it nice to work with dsp wise i've never run into an issue before because i'm only recording pretty much one thing at a time i mean i I rarely do like vocals and keys at the same time um but do you mix with, with the plugins as well um, I do, yeah, and you know, for for what I'm doing, it, it's not very like process intensive. I don't need you know that many plugins per channel. So for the basic mix that I gave to you, I, I think it worked pretty well, and I didn't run into any DSP overloads or anything like that. Um, do you have? I was yeah, going to say quad. Okay. Sometimes
1: I run into DSP issues when I when I have those huge projects and I need a lot of processing power. The <laughs> Thermionic Culture Vulture. This one is a CPU hog, like the SP hog. It takes up one instance, takes up, I don't know, like 50% at least of the entire card. Um, So it's super CPU hungry. I can open up like 20 1176s or 20 LA-2As. But for for this one, which I like, the distortion, um, it's actually amazing. I like it more than the the Decapitator, which features two modes, the Triad and Pentode out of the Culture Vulture. Um, but it sounds better to my ears and but it, it's a huge DSP hug so um, for mixing purposes I think I will I will get satellite this year and daisy chain it to to the Apollo and then they will work in conjunction Yeah. but it's like little gear slot talk <laughs> to try to avoid yeah, as yeah, much as possible sure. as well
0: yeah I, I, I used to be I mean I would say up until about last year I was always you know what's what can I buy that's new that's going to help me out? You know, always searching through catalogs and stuff like that. But I haven't even, I haven't thought of new gear in, in a while now. And I think it's it's helped because everything I have in my little home studio now is, is everything I, I need pretty much to make the music that I do. And and that's it, man. I try not to overthink it and, and just kind of go from there and use what I have. What do you need really in the end, right? Like you got Ableton, you got a keyboard, you got guitars.
1: Good mic. And a microphone. Yeah. Yeah. You get to go. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's the same, just a little bit more. One pair of monitors extra. The soft tube console is dope. Although I don't know I don't need it actually to mix a track. I was mixing before that. Uh, but it, it's dope as well. You know what? I um, actually might so, edit my answer cool. real
0: quick. Cause I have I'm sitting in front of me right now is a fourteen dollar little computer speaker with one driver, and I use it as a mono switch between my main monitors. So for fourteen dollars, that that little Bluetooth shitty speaker is enough nice. for me. That that's that's my cool. answer. <laughs> we'll take that. That works. Works for me. Even, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And last <laughs> question yeah.
1: for today. And uh, man, I feel like if we had last times podcast plus this times, that would be like overkill. I would spread it over two different podcasts. <sighs> but I think we made yeah, s- yeah. still still <laughs> some good points in this podcast. I will I will glad you have you on anytime. Whatever. so do oh, you, no doubt, it's not dude. the last awesome. time we're sitting down this and talking awesome. so we'll have a lot of stuff to digest um, in the future so the last question I yeah, ask yeah. every of my guests and no matter if you're American not american um, whoever you are if you would meet President Donald Trump <laughs> you're laughing in real time in real life right now <laughs> and you would have five minutes with him privately what would you do or would you say to
0: him um, yeah. So that, that's hard for me because I'm not on any side of the political spectrum in terms of being conservative or, or, or Democrat or anything like that. I, I think people should choose based on issue alone and we should have more teams than that. I think it's kind of silly. But uh, in that regard, if I had to sit down with him for five minutes, um, I would just ask him, you know, without any outside influence, why he's doing what he's doing to um, I feel like alienate a lot of the country and and the world, really. Um, but I wouldn't want to get too into it because it's like, you know, I, I feel like he's not going to give much information. And maybe I'll just ask him, you know, hey, let's have a beer and talk. You know, what, what kind of what kind of music? Well, he doesn't. Oh, that's that right. Gold. That's right. Yeah. He drinks he drinks Coke and like Pepsi, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, 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 <laughs> he slams burgers and, and drinks drinks. Yeah, but he's on Adderall. Oh yeah, I, I, I mean that's all. at least what I think Joe Rogan said. That. He's like, man, he's got to be on like, <laughs> right? Yeah, he's got to right. be on something. But it,
1: it's right. Guy's over <laughs> seventy, or is he? He's over seventy years old.
0: Yeah, and he's he's running
1: running all day like a machine.
0: I think so. Yeah, and he's he's got the energy of a five year old. Yeah, I, w- I wish I had the energy of of Donald Right, Trump. he's he's got to get some. Yeah, maybe. Who knows, man? He's he's a wild character. Yeah. Maybe it's the good <laughs> pussy, the Melania pussy. <laughs> yeah, I, probably. Yeah, I mean, knowing him, it's it, it has to be. He's, yeah, he's a weird dude. Yeah, I don't know what I would say. Like I always ask people, like, what would
1: you say? And I don't, I don't even know. I had never thought about what I would say. I would probably say, Donald, you're fired. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> so where can people? listen to your music, find out more about you.
0: Okay, so, um, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, basically anywhere online the music is distributed. Uh, My name is Ryan Neal, last name N-E-A-L. And the title of my upcoming EP, which drops on February 4th, uh, is called Up My Sleeve. So that will be available everywhere. Um, I will have my website up by this weekend, uh, RyanNealMusic.com. Yes, all one word, yes. You know, Google, it should pop up. Uh, the, only, the only thing I have right out now uh, is a single. It's called Hang Tight. And um, so that's the only piece of music that you can hear at the moment. But I'm sure by the time this podcast comes out, the rest of the EP will be out. And, uh, and yeah, everything Word. will be great. Also,
1: check the description boxes and I'll,
0: I'll post it everywhere as well. So thanks a lot for being on, man. Dude, thanks for all your help. Like I mentioned before, you're a huge inspiration. And the fact that you even mixed and mastered my EP was, uh, that was a game changer. My pleasure. So, I appreciate Bless. you. Bye, man. All right, brother. Peace.